Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to my day with uh, Tom Berkowitz. He's going to be joining the program along with his wife, Marcia, in just a minute or two. And then I'm going to get a chance to talk to Dr. Alex McFarland, who was on a call with the vice president last night. I guess he's pretty important, a little more important than me. But uh, he got a lot of encouragement from the vice president. We're going to talk about what he heard. And also, I want to just give you as much uh scripture as I can in the next uh, coming weeks, because I think it's going to be great to be reminded, like it says in Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And of course, if you haven't memorized Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you where ever you go. What a great time to, uh, with excessive hand washing, to take a three by five card and write some of these verses and put them right up on the mirror when you go into the bathroom to wash your hands. Then you'll be reviewing them uh, day after day after day. It's going to be great. You're going to learn all kinds of scripture. It's going to be a great time for your soul to grow in your faith and to see what God is going to be doing in your life in the next month uh, or six months or a year. It's going to be an interesting time in our world. But uh, we can always go to God, and we can always trust that uh, if we have anxious thoughts or we feel overwhelmed, His comfort will encourage us and give us hope. And Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I will trust you. Period. There we go. All right, Tom and Marcia Berkowitz are waiting on the line. We'll take 60 seconds and bring them on. There's an old gospel hymn written during World War II that said, In times like these, you need an anchor. Well, that was true then, and it's true today. In uncertain times, we need a sure foundation. Hebrews 6.19 reminds us it's our hope in God that is an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. I'm Neil Stave, a manager of Faith Radio. You know, for over 70 years, we've been privileged to share the message of hope in Christ through uncertain times, thanks to the prayer and financial support of thousands of listeners committed to keeping Faith Radio strong and effective. As a listener-supported ministry, we rely on your faithful gifts, and we wouldn't be on the air without your investment. Because of your gifts, the gospel goes out and lives are changed. So if you value the daily teaching of God's Word and reminders of our living hope in Jesus, would you partner with us today? Make a single or ongoing monthly gift by calling 877-933-2484 or give online at myfaithradio.com. the show. Hope your week has been okay. It's been a crazy one here in the world, but God's in charge and on the throne, and we trust and hold steadfast in Him. One of the downsides to this uh, coronavirus going around is I'm not having my guests come into the studio right now, which is really hard because Tom and Marsha Berkowitz, who are on the telephone right now, are usually in studio with me, and that's half the fun of this. So uh, I'm looking forward to our time together with them, although 
They're in their house, and I'm here in the studio. Tom, Marsha, welcome. Welcome. Hi. Hey, hey. Can you hear me, Bill? I can hear you just fine, Marsha. Thank you. Now, today I was okay. I was hoping, uh, Tom and Marsha, we could talk about uh, God's gift of peace because I see the word peace in a lot of emails and text messages lately, and they're either referring to um, I need peace or I don't have peace, or some say I'm finding peace in all this. So anyway, the word peace is coming up a lot. Well, it's a great word, and it meant a lot to Jesus. In fact, I'm in my office, and I'm looking up at a plaque that I got in Israel, and it's in Hebrew, it says shalom, peace. And if I can start off, Bill, in Jesus' last Passover, and we find that in John 13, he really wanted to celebrate this Passover with his disciples. And it was the Passover that changed the world. It was never the same after that. In Luke uh, 22, 15, uh, Jesus said, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you. So are you? have you ever been to a Passover Seder, Bill? I haven't, because you've never invited me to your house. Well, now I feel bad. Well, <laughs> we're going to invite you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I was Boy, just trying to guilt shame you a little bit. Feel good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you remember I'm Jewish, and I, I feel all kinds of guilt all the time. <laughs> and I grew up Catholic, so, you know, I have the Catholic guilt. It's, you know, we're a mess between the two yeah, of us. But, yeah, you're an amateur, though. We have 2,000 years <laughs> on you. Good point. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, let me do the setting real quick in John uh, 13. So Jesus is having the Passover, or doing the, the, we call it the Last Supper, but it's the last Passover. In that Passover, you have four cups of wine. You have two cups before dinner, and you have two cups after dinner. So John 13 is set now where I'm going to start with the table talk in between the second and third cup of wine. And the cup of, the third cup is a cup of, uh, redemption, and it says, I will redeem you with my outstretched arms. And that's from uh, Exodus 6. So people can look up there. There's four I wills that correspond with the four uh, cups of wine. But anyway, during the table talk, and this is why this Passover is so, so important. John 13, 14. 15, 16, and 17 are all dictated by Jesus, and John wrote them down. Okay. So those chapters, and that's the heart of John. And the reason why I started with that is because in John 14, 27, this is what Jesus uh, said. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So Jesus is giving us the gift of shalom, of peace. Can you imagine him giving us a gift and we're not taking it and embracing it? 
And I know it's hard. It's easy to say, well, I've got the gift. I'll take the gift. It's really hard to work it out in your lives. In Luke uh, 24, 35, uh, 36, the two guys with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, remember he revealed himself and they ran back to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So they're up in the upper room and they're, uh, they were telling all the disciples about what just happened. And Jesus himself suddenly was standing there among them. So what are the first words out of Jesus's mouth? Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. But there was nothing said back by his disciples. And in verse 37, it says, but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they're seeing a ghost. Typically, if somebody says, Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you, or peace be on you, you would say Aleichem, Shalom, and back on you, peace. Mm. And we, he didn't do that. Another place in John um, 20, 19, it was that Sunday evening. So at the start of the Feast of Bikarim, Ha Bikarim, and that is the first fruits. Remember, it goes from sundown to sundown. So the first fruits would start Sunday night. So that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. And what did he say? Peace be with you. And then down in verse uh, 21, he, he said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he gives them his peace, and he gives them the mechanism for them to embrace that peace. And, you know, we live in troubled times, just like the disciples were. I mean, can you imagine? They walked three years with Jesus. He's going to be the Messiah. They kind of believed it. I think they believed it. I would have believed it just like them. But then he's hung on a tree, and he's dead three days in the tomb, and now he appears. You think you'd be frightened? Oh, yeah. And the, so that's why he said the first thing he said to him is peace be on to you. That's a gift he gave us. And our job is to wrestle with that and grab hold of that peace, even though we might have a lot of angst or be frightened. And then it says further down, eight days later, uh, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. He wasn't with them the first time. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. And the first thing he said again is, Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. So when I see things like that in multiple different uh uh, gospels, I know it's very important. Jesus, when he says the first words out of his mouth is peace be with you. And it all goes back to that last uh, Passover Seder where he's he gave them a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift 
the world cannot give. So don't be uh, troubled or afraid. So that's how I see peace, and that's how I try to get it. Now, we know the disciples turned the world upside down, but it took them a while to internalize that peace. Mm, what a timely, and, timely so, message, Tom. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is great. Um, sh- when he said Shalom Aleichem in the presence of the disciples with Thomas there, how did they respond that time? They sat there and looked at him. <laughs> yeah, I, would, <laughs> I have a feeling they're still a little on the stunned side. Yeah, I mean, it's eight days later. Right. But it's starting to catch on. Right. And, you know, at the end of that chapter, um, they talk about uh, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs. So they're going over all that he's done. What do we know about him? He did all these signs. And in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So John just gave us a snapshot of what was going on, not a complete picture. Mm-hmm. So they had to think about that. And they and here's what it says, the last uh, verse of chapter 20. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Mm-hmm. And part of that is his shalom. Yeah, that's beautiful. Tom, let me take a little break. I'm talking to Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. Yeah. Uh, We'll be back in 90 seconds. Well, the sun is shining today and the sky is bright. We're talking about the peace of God, the shalom. My guests are Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. Tom is a, a teaching leader at a Community Bible Study, and now in his 17th or 18th or 19th or 21st year. I, I've lost count. Well, it's 21. So. All right. So I was close. I, eventually I got yeah, there. Yeah, you were close. Yeah. You had Marty Getz's uh, uh, music on. Of course we did, because we're all... You know, you guys are good friends with Marty, and I'm I'm just kind of a know him a little bit, so um, we we love Marty. You know, as a gift to the body of Christ, at seven o'clock tonight in Marty and Jenny Getz's living room, they're going to do a family free concert to anybody who wants to see and hear it, and you can get it at Facebook Live or Instagram Live which I don't even understand, or their <laughs> YouTube station. Okay. But we've listened a couple of times, and it's really, it's really good. That's awesome. You know, all, his con- all his concerts were canceled. So, you know, these guys are, they, they live by those concerts, but they said, hey, we're going to do our part too. And we're going to bring praise and worship. Because when you do that, you bring peace, that shalom. Yeah. And they know that. Well, they so, had a, a new song. Any of your... Go ahead. They had a new song that Marty and um, Misha put out, and I played that on the air the other day. Oh, that one on Purim? Yes. And that was a, a 
a great song. That was now, a great you song. understand Purim is very similar to the situation we are in now. It was it could have been the death of of the Jewish people. And if that would have happened, there would have been no Jesus. And we know that in the book of Esther, they talk about that story. And Mordecai said to his niece or his cousin, however you read that, uh, the Hebrew, uh, Esther, how do you know you weren't born for such a time as this? Mm. And that's how that song was birthed. And, that's beautiful. You know, that was so so important because without that, we wouldn't be talking here today about Jesus. That's so true. Tom, when we talk about the shalom peace, the, this peace in John fourteen twenty seven that Jesus says, peace is what I give you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. When we read that, when we hear that, and we say we're getting the peace of Jesus, what do you understand that to be? Oh, that is a great question. I would go back to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43, as we're getting into the whole section on the suffering servant, who we understand to be Jesus. And God is speaking here through Isaiah. And he says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. Mm -hmm. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up and the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's what I see See what it means. Yeah, He's with us. You know, some of these people are, are listening may have, uh, you know, may have tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, they can get their peace by understanding that God is with them. He's right there with them. And he's walking through this with them. So it's a way that we can relax and let go. That's what it says in Psalm uh, 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Some versions say, cease striving and know that I am God. And the Christian Standard Bible says, relax, let go, and know that I am God. Those are, that's how you get the shalom. Mm -hmm. So if we're living in peace with God, that's a wonderful thing. And I encourage everyone to get there and inviting God into your heart and becoming born again and knowing that the peace of Christ will fill you. However, sin, uh, for those who have not made that decision, will, uh, you know, you're in, a, you're in a, a place where there could be very little peace in your life, or if you have any peace, it's not real. And if you're a believer and there's sin in your life, that can destroy your peace. Um, but ultimately, it's going to destroy everyone who refuses Jesus' offer of salvation. Right. 
And we should know that we serve a God who is merciful. We serve a God who is loving, but we also serve a God who is a righteous judge. And what I just taught in uh, my community Bible study classes last week was on uh, Numbers 20 and 21. And the thing I wanted everybody to understand is if Jesus is not true in his judgments, how can we ever trust he's true in his promises? You can't have it both ways. So he did put a judgment on, on Moses for not listening. The greatest leader in the history of Israel, probably mankind, and he failed in one area. He was still graced. He sh still showed mercy to uh, the people of Israel because where it was is God told him to take the staff of Aaron, that piece of wood that was dead, mm -hmm. and God made it come alive. Yeah, sprouting uh, almonds each, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Dead branches or dead sticks don't do it. No. And that happened. And so he said, speak to that rock. And Moses just didn't have the faith at that time to do it. So he struck the rock. Now, that wasn't God's best. But the water still came out of the rock. But Moses was judged by God and said, after 40 long, very, very, very hot years in the desert, wandering with people that complained and grumbled almost constantly, he could not now lead them into the promised land. Now, that sounds like a harsh judgment. But, you know, our God is not bound by time and space. 1,500 years later, up in Caesarea Philippi at Mount Hermon, and we read about this in Matthew 17, God allowed Moses to step foot in the land of Israel on that mountain, and we call it the Mountain of Transfiguration. So he's all out of mercy. Mm -hmm. So that's how you balance. That's why we know we can have peace, because we're serving a righteous God, a merciful God, a God who's with us. Yeah. What a fantastic message, Tom. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I hope you have some energy to maybe uh, give us the message you uh, taught on numbers the other day. I'd love to hear that. Okay. Terrific. Tom okay. and Marcia Berkowitz are my guests. Thank you for uh, tuning in today. What a great time to get a message on the gift of peace from God. Uh, I know for me, I'm all for hearing more about that. And I want to appreciate it. Just how, how much I appreciate Tom and Marcia coming on today. We'll take a short break. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. Tom and Marcia Berkowitz are my guests. 
our regular guests on the show, and usually they're in studio. Today they're on our studio line, coming to us from their comfort of their home. You'll probably never want to come back to the studio. You can do it from home. <laughs> you know, Bill, it's much more enjoyable when I can see you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I feel the same way. So, Tom, you recently uh, taught a message on Numbers chapter, was it 11 and 12? No, 20 and 21. 20 and 21, yeah. And I would love for you to uh, uh, teach us today as well on the air. Okay. Um, The other night, or the other day, you had a great show on. I can't remember the, the gentleman's name. He wrote a book on cliches. And yeah, was, that really hit me between the eyes. Yeah, Dr. Jeff um, Myers. Yes, right. and yeah. So when I when I was thought about doing this teaching on numbers twenty and twenty one, I wanted to put it in context, and I wanted to really live in what was going through must have been going through Moses's mind when he was told by God uh, to speak to a rock so water could come out, enough water to, to satisfy 2 million people with their drinking needs or bathing needs or clothes washing needs or water for their animals. Can you imagine hmm. a massive amount of water that would have to be? So Moses had just spent, this is in the 40th year when this... Uh, uh, event happened. So 40 years, he's he's with 2 million people and they're grumbling constantly. Back in Numbers 14, God uh, put a judgment on the first generation that came out of uh, Egypt because they, after going, seeing the Red Sea split, the Egyptian army dying, always getting uh, manna and water and anything they wanted when it came time to go into the promised land 38 years earlier, they just wouldn't do it. In fact, they didn't trust God enough that to bring them into the promised land and, and give them the power to beat all the ites, all the different ites that were living there. Mm-hmm. So now they, he said, your whole generation is going to die off. So now Moses is sit there, sitting there, and there's been nothing but graves for the last 38 years. And the last of the remnant of those people that were going to, in the first generation of Israelites that were going to die out, would be dead in the next couple of months. And the second generation, those who would get the promised land, were uh, starting to learn to own their faith and trust in God. So now you have the grumbling, probably started by the first generation, but the second generation came on, and they even push back that, God, you're, we have no water to drink. And then just put this in the context. It was the fifth month of the 40th year. So that's July, August, uh, according to our calendar. So it had to be hot. Oh, and they're yeah. down in the Sinai. So it's 120 degrees or something. And there's no cloudy days. It's just sunshine and heat and sand. So they're grumbling. And Moses and Aaron do what we all should do when we face that type of uh, situation. 
they separated themselves from the group. They went to the entrance of the tabernacle. They fell on their faces before God, and they petitioned to him, what are we going to do? Because they're basically dead if God doesn't intervene. And then it says, then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff. Now, that was Aaron's staff, but the buds and the almonds mm -hmm. supernaturally happened and assemble the entire community. As a people watch, speak to the, the rock over there, and it will pour out all its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Amazing. Wow, that's amazing. But, but now imagine yourself following that command. Could you really speak to that rock? What happens if you speak to that rock and nothing happens? That's in front of a big Two crowd, million too. People, and they're not happy campers. Right, and they're <laughs> irritable. Very irritable. Would you do it? About 40 years ago, uh, a Messianic Jewish pastor, Art Katz, a good friend of mine, said, it's time for you to be baptized, Tom. So... I was standing in a swimming pool of some friends, and there's a few people who are going to get baptized. And Art says to the Jew first. So I was the first <laughs> one. I mean, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never been to a baptism. Yeah. So I'm standing there. I'm facing the people, and he says, "This this person is a man of God, and he's dedicating his life." But I'm going to hold his head under the water a little extra to kill out his brain cells so they they don't get in the way of his faith. Mm. And I think that's where Moses was. I think he thought about it too much. I'm not sure I could have spoke to that rock. He knows 38 years before he hit the rock with the staff and water came out. So he knew that would work because God has already done that to him, but to speak to it, would you have? Well, I, you know, so, you go back to that proven routine of hitting it with the stick. That would be my right. default method. Right. So I'm wondering how many times in my life I do the second best and don't do the best because it requires more of a radical faith. And I think my way out of it. Ooh. And I say, did he really say that? Did he? It doesn't make any sense. So he didn't speak to the rock. He hit with the rock, and the water came out. So the people were satisfied. But here's what God said. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. So that is really something. God wanted to supernaturally show the second generation how much they could trust him because they were going to go into the promised land and they were going to be hugely outnumbered by the cumulative uh, effect of the ites. And they were going to need supernatural faith in order to win. And Moses didn't give God what he wanted. God wanted to show them so there'd never be any doubt 
doubt in their mind, and he didn't do it. And, you know, within two months, Moses, uh, Aaron died because he didn't get to go in. We're in the 40th year. In a few more months, Moses would die. So Aaron died in the fifth month on the first day of the 40th year. Miriam died on the first month of the 40th year. And that just happened. So somewhere in the, the next couple of months, Aaron would die. He would pass the mantle on to his son, uh, Eleazar. So then they, they uh, once again are wandering because the, their cousins, the Edomites, wouldn't let them go through the land. So now they had to go around. So instead of a straight shot, they had to go uh, east of Europe. Uh, in St. Paul to circle around to come back to Minneapolis. So <laughs> they weren't happy campers. Mm -hmm. That's basically what happened. So now the people once again grumbled. They did it more viciously towards God. And so he sent a judgment on them immediately. And that judgment was snakes. And these snakes were going to bite them and they were dying, and they were dying like crazy. So they came to Moses, and they said to Moses, we need your help. Pray. So what does Moses do? He prays to the Lord. The Lord tells him, make a replica of the poisonous snake, attach it to a pole, and all who are bitten will live if they will simply look at it. Now, how crazy is that? That's an outrageous thing. That seems pretty crazy. Went through Mo yeah, think about what went through his head. 40th year, he's already now written most of the Torah, the first five books. So he would have finished Genesis. And he knows who the troublemaker of Genesis 3 was, the serpent. Right. And you want me to put that serpent, serpent on there? And so... <laughs> So he went looking for, uh, he had to think about something else for 40 years. Every day he looked at, uh, he looked at Pharaoh's hat, because he, or headset, he was uh, raised in Pharaoh's household, household, and there was a snake on there. A snake was a deity. So are you kidding me? I'm supposed to put a snake on there? The second 40 years of his life, he he had to, uh, he lived with uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, and he was a priest of the Midianites. And what did the Midianites worship? Snakes. So here again was a, another uh, snake. Starting the third 40 years of his life, he writes down this commandment from the living God in Exodus 20. Verse 4, you must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down or worship them. For I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Can you imagine how hard that would have been? That'd be very hard. For Moses to do it? I would so think what so. did he do? Without batting an eye, he made that replica, put it on a pole, and he lifted it up. 
And the people had to have enough faith to look at that. If you're, bit, if you're getting bit by snakes, are you going to look up at a snake on a pole? Or are you going to try to run and try to get away and wondering what's going to happen? But they were obedient and they had enough faith to look up at that pole. And it's crazy as it seems. And they were healed. Here's my feeling on this. If Moses would not have been disobedient back in number, Numbers 20, where he was told to speak to the rock, if he would have spoke to the rock, I'm not sure he would have been obedient here. But because he was disobedient, mm. he received the punishment of God. He says, I'm going to be radical. I've got to trust. My brain cells are going to are telling me don't do this. The circumstances are telling me don't do this. But God, I'm sure I heard his voice. Had Has God said, yeah, he did say, I'm going to do it. And because of that radical faith that he had, these people were saved. And that whole thing, if you look at it, uh, Jesus, back in John 3, when Nicodemus, a leading teacher in Israel who came by night to talk to Jesus. And they were going over different things. And Jesus in verse 14 said to Nicodemus, as Moses was lifted up on the, uh, uh, lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. And then in verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. That had to just shock Nicodemus. Yeah. Because as outrageous as putting a snake up on a pole and looking at it, how much more would it be to put a man up on a stake? Because that's what the cross was called in the Greek, a stake or a tree. And his death is going to cause me to live. How is that possible? Wow. He said, yeah to believe in eternal life. Mm -hmm. So that's the story that we learn. And it is. I mean, Paul says, uh, a crucified Jesus is foolishness to the Jews. And or it's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Yet that is a sign. And the question is, do we have at least the faith that the Israelites have to look up at that snake, do we have the same faith to look up at the Son of Man and believe that that blood is going to wash us of our sin so that we can live forever? Mm. That's what we're talking about. That's incredible. And if you have that kind of radical, yeah, that kind of radical faith, I think you can embrace His gift of peace. I love that, Tom. Let me take one more break. We'll be right back with Tom and Marcia Berkowitz. Be back in ninety seconds. Is my 
restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So beautiful. That's Marty Getz, a good friend of the Berkowitzes, and I know him a little bit as well. He's been in studio once. And Tom, remind listeners that he's going to be putting on a free concert tonight, which will be on Facebook Live. Yes, 7 o'clock Central Time. And you can also go to Marty Getz's uh, YouTube, um, and you can uh, see it there as well, his right, YouTube channel. Right, I think Instagram Live. Yeah. It, it's actually, it, what they're calling it is their living room to our living room. Nice. So it's kind of an informal worship time. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Just like uh, Marty to yeah. be all clever. Good. I like that. All right, uh, Tom, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Moses. I mean, he ascended Mount uh, Nebo, um, but God said he would not enter the promised land, so he died in Moab, right? But we don't know uh, how how he died or w- where he was buried. No, we don't. And that's a mystery. But we know that he's alive because 1,500 years after his physical death, he was standing um, on Mount Hermon in Israel as God blessed him in what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. So, so it wasn't important yeah. for God to give us those details. The, the story, though, yeah, that you shared is so fascinating. And there's a lot of people in their Bible apps are going through numbers right now. So this is like perfect timing because... A lot, a lot of it is hard to process and understand. So this has been uh, super helpful. Yeah. You know, last night, to make it practical for where we are, I, I was thinking of a friend of mine. He said, you know, Tom, I worked for 40 years. We're not sick, but I'm sick over my 401k who just dropped by 30%. So 40 years, I worked for this retirement and then in a matter of a couple of weeks, it goes down. So there's a lot of, of angst out there, a lot of sadness. And we talked about the Lord, and we were both uplifting each other because that's the way to do it. So Marsha came up with a great idea. So how do we do this with our family? So maybe you can share with Well, you know, we all, like all of us are, trying to figure out ways to communicate and how to can't see each other face to face, but we have, we want to talk to people. We want to see their face. And so of course we wanted to do that as a family. So we decided we're going to do a Bible study or a Bible story time with all our grandchildren. We had, everybody was on some sort of device, whether it was a phone or an iPad and, we use Zoom because you can get a lot of people on it at the same time. So our entire family was, and it was a little chaotic. The three-year-olds were waving at each other and hmm. talking to each other. and uh, But it was really, really fun. We kind of talked about the story of Daniel and not being afraid. And then we continued on and asking them, well, what are you afraid of? And, uh, that was good. And then we actually were able to pray about tears. And 
just go into having peace, the peace which passes all understanding that we can only get through knowing our Lord. So what we did for tonight, because it's Shabbat, and that means Sabbath, and a greeting on Shabbat is Shabbat Shalom, so Sabbath peace. We went out and bought four uh, loaves of challah, one for each of our family households, and now we're going to use Zoom tonight and do our Shabbat service, and then everybody will eat by themselves because it's hard to eat over a video. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll light the candles and say the prayers, and the girls will uh, say the prayers with me, and the boys will say the prayers with Tom, and then we're then we're going to break. This is our plan. We haven't tried it yet. Then we're going to break and go and eat our meals. And probably listen to Marty in the meantime, and then come back and get back online together and pray and and talk. And we're hoping to bribe the kids by if you are really good and you listen well, then you can talk to each other for a while. Nice. (laughs) Well, you know what they do. They said, all right, you're done talking. Uh, They call me Z. Why don't you just leave? We'll just leave it on. We'll talk to each other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I love the creativity you've got planned, and and, uh, you're going to carry on, and um, your Shabbat uh, will be be complete, except you won't be together, but you'll get it done. That's wonderful. And the biggest thing that it does is it brings peace. The, The sharing of what God is doing in our lives, the fears that you can put on the table, and we can say how the blood of Jesus has covered that that uh, uh, fear. And John wrote in his epistle, First John, perfect love casts out all fear. And Jesus has perfect love, and he's given that to us. So we can now share that with others and have that perfect peace, even in the time of turmoil. Yeah. Okay, you hear those words, have peace, trust God, uh, but what if you're still feeling scared? Well, you just keep going. You keep trying. There's a great psalm that Moses wrote. He wrote Psalm 90, which is a prayer, and then Psalm 91. And it doesn't say who wrote it, but according to Jewish tradition, Moses wrote it. And it's in a form of a prayer. It's Psalm 91. You should read it. It's really good. And Moses is praying all these things that God is doing, like he's he's ordered angels to protect us. And he's telling us that we can't be defeated. But something happens. In verse 14, Moses is no longer talking. It's God talking. And here's what God says. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. So what God is saying, no matter how afraid you are, no matter how dire your circumstances are, I'm going to be with you. When he says, I will rescue those who love me, That means he's going to put his presence with us. And even though we're all hurting and stuff, 
His presence will give us that peace. Maybe we get the disease and maybe we lose our 401k and we can't recover. Or maybe we don't get healed from COVID-19. But the peace of God will be with us because he's going to be with us if we just look for him and embrace him. I don't mm -hmm. know if that makes sense or not. So in other words, you got to look beyond your circumstances to see what God is doing. Yeah. Tom and Marsha, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you for reminding all the listeners that Marty Getz is going to be putting on a concert from his living room. And all you got to do is go to Facebook Live and search for Marty Getz or go to Marty Getz's um, YouTube channel and you'll be able to find it or on Snapchat or Instagram. Thank you very much. Have a great uh, evening and God bless you and your family. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you bet. You. Thank you so much. Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem Shalom. Did I say that right? Nice. You did. <laughs> Good. Great. All right, we'll take a little break. When we come back, Dr. Alex McFarland is going to be with us. He recently was on the line with uh, Vice President Mike Pence, and he's going to tell us what he heard. Be back in a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.